I'm Sharon Batters, and I'm so grateful that you have joined us for this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Our vision at Mark Inc. is to offer help and hope, especially in those challenging seasons of life where we may feel as though we're in a foreign land because our life has turned upside down. One of those places could be when we face retirement. I think there are a lot of questions that we should be asking before we actually get to that moment. For instance, what will we do with our time? Will we have purpose? Can we be intentional about this last season of life and making an impact in thinking through how we want the legacy of our lives to be remembered? Well, Dr. John Dunlop is here today to help us with those questions. He has written a book among many others, but this one is called Retiring Well. And we know that I think that everyone listening wants to do exactly that. And so I know that you are going to enjoy my conversation with Dr. John Dunlop. We will have information about how you can purchase his books at the end of our conversation and in the show notes at our website at markinc.org. That's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. Welcome, John. We're so glad that you could be here for our Help and Hope podcast. Oh, this is a privilege. I look forward to these conversations. Well, before we jump into our topic of retiring well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, I think the most important thing about me is that I love and follow the Lord Jesus and have done so since I was eight years old. And that's a few years ago now. So I'm married. My wife is Dorothy. And uh, we have two sons, and they have are both married. And between them, we have seven grandchildren. So you have a busy life with family right now, and you're in a new season of life, a season of retirement. But what was your life like before retirement? Well, I practiced medicine for 53 years. I having gone to medical school and did further training in Baltimore, and then we lived in Chicago. I was involved in my practice there for 38 years, and uh, Dorothy became a professor of medicine at uh, mm. Northwestern University. And uh, then seven years ago, we decided to pick up roots and move to New England. Mm. And now we live a block from our younger son and uh, his four children, and an easy train ride to our older son and his family who are in DC. Well, that's great. I think that's a great move. I love being near our grandchildren too. So I think probably that might've been part of your intentional plan as you were looking forward to this season of life. But we can talk about that in a couple of minutes. We are talking about retirement and retiring well. What do you think is one of the greatest misconceptions about retirement? You know, I I think when first people think about retirement, pops into their head this idea of kind of a permanent vacation. This is the time I can relax, I can focus about me. And uh, after just a short time with those type of dreams, they come back to reality and realize that this is really a time to pursue their own priorities and uh, to view that for Christians, very much in terms of how is my life going to best bring glory to the Lord Jesus. And after they spend a little bit of time in their pipe dreams, 
uh, that becomes the reality. Yeah, I think that transition uh, can be really painful and hard when you have a strong focus in your daily life before that retirement comes. Uh, Yes, maybe status. You get up every morning, you know what the day holds. And even though you may be tired and ready to stop that part of your life, then there is that uh, it's almost like a blank sheet of paper. Now what? You know, now, now what am I supposed to do? You and your wife had worked toward retirement. How specific were you? How intentional were you to prepare for this season of life? You know, it goes back to when both of our sons uh, went to college. They chose a school on the East Coast. And uh, we kind of realized that once they made that decision, they were likely to stay uh, out East. And in fact, they did. So probably 20 years ago, we began to think that, yeah, probably instead of asking them to come be close to us, we were going to move and be close to them. That has just proved to be a huge blessing. No doubt. And I think that, I mean, just hearing you say that, uh, it's amazing that you thought about that so many years ago. When we're we're younger, retirement seems like such a a long ways off, but I think being intentional about making decisions with that in mind, uh, with that last season of life, as we know it will come, can help us to be more specific about the reasons why we make different moves for those connections. And it really reflects our priorities. It reflects your priority of being near your family. Yeah. And Sharon, I had the advantage, which most people don't have, in that my practice of medicine was geriatrics. So I took care of people as they were going through retirement and uh, having eyes and ears open to what was going on in their lives. I realized the type of questions which we would be facing. And uh, very honestly, it was very clear that some people came to retirement and did well, and some people did poorly. We wanted to to do well. What do you think is the greatest challenge, the obstacle to doing well? I I think the ones that I have seen do poorly, for the most part, just started to focus way too much on themselves. They were thinking about their own comfort, their own happiness, particularly for the few who were Christians who started to have that focus. That was their, their downfall. I think the ones that did well were the, the ones who I think developed kind of two basic ways to glorify God. And one was to come to know him better, to love him, and to have a passion for his glory. And along with that, to have a passion to serve others. Why do you think we come into that season of life feeling like, you know, it's my turn now? I've worked hard. I mean, what's wrong with that? I've given myself to my kids. It's their turn to take care of me. What? Why do you think we go down that pathway? Even Christians have that struggle. And, and how can we identify what is feeding that in our hearts and combat it? You know, I'm sure there's many reasons and everybody's different, but part of it may simply be fatigue. They've been working hard. They've been working long hours. 
they've been increasingly frustrated at having to live by their boss's priorities and not be able to live by their own values, then they just move into this idea. And perhaps for a while, it's right. Okay, it's time for me now to relax and enjoy. And, and that's, that's okay. Just don't let it last forever. I think that our world, our culture, is definitely feeding that feeling of it's my turn. It's it's my turn to be to have the fun and to take care, be taken care of, and all of that kind of thing. And goes back to our worldview. It, it really does go back to what is, what is our theology, what is our view of our own purpose. How does your faith? guide you in these kinds of decisions and in the season of life. I mean, and the other side of it, John, I think is you could come to this place and feel worthless and useless. And, you know, I was such an important person in my job or raising my kids. And now I'm here without any of that structure. What is even the point of my life? You know, in one sense, Sharon, maybe that's not a bad place to get to because it's going to prompt you to ask the important questions. You've had your time of to relax and reprogram yourself. I like to call it your sabbatical at the end of your life of working so much. It's time to take a little bit of time off. I mean, God spent six days in creation, and then he took a day off. And uh, so I think it's okay to do that. But then, then you get to the point where that type of relaxed, easygoing lifestyle becomes frustrating. Mm. And you know you need to look for something else. And hopefully during those months while you've been recovering from your work life, you've begun to investigate other things you can do. And I, and I, I think, you know, I think there's two things you need to balance. When I When I talk about this, I always think in my mind of Mary and Martha, the two sisters who were such good friends of Jesus. And Jesus came to their place for dinner. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet, just soaking in what he had to say and enjoying his presence. And Martha was busy in the kitchen preparing the supper. And, uh, you know, I think Jesus enjoyed that supper. But <laughs> he, he said that Mary had chosen the better things. So, to me, Mary is the one who is savoring God, savoring Jesus, and uh, is really progressing in her love for love for Jesus and in her spiritual life. Martha was doing good things. She was serving. Honestly, I think both of them have their spot. And as we begin to think about what we're going to do in retirement, we need to make sure we have adequate, hopefully a lot more time to savor Jesus. To spend in his word, to spend in prayer, and also then time to serve others. What are some of the questions that you would encourage someone to be asking themselves? I mean, if like if they've worked their whole lives in an office or in a career that they've loved, but they don't see what they bring into this second season of life that where they know they're not going to be able to do the same things that they've done before, what kind of questions should they? be answering in their own hearts to help narrow their focus on where to uh, serve next? I think one question is to, to look at what you've done in your work life 
and ask, well, what have I really enjoyed the most? What has allowed me to most use my my skills and my work experience? And and ask, and what have I least enjoyed about my work? And then use the, the that as a bit of a guide for what type of things you might want to do in retirement. What about those times where there are things that you really want to do that you loved and and there's an opportunity for you to do it, but you're physically incapable of doing those things anymore. How do you still have a fruitful heart in that season of retirement? Oh, Sharon, that hits me right right where I am because uh, I am in a period of real decline neurologically, physically. I've probably run 50,000 miles over the last 30 years, and uh, now I can scarcely walk a mile uh, just because of weakness and trouble with my balance. And, uh, you know, I really miss that. But on the other hand, there's so many other things I can do. And, uh, you know, I just enjoy doing that more and more. I, I love to spend time with medical students, whereas we used to take long walks together and just talk. And now it's basically on Zoom or by phone. Uh, but that's great. That's okay. We can still do something worthwhile. It's so interesting that you would mention a few of those issues. My husband is 74 and was a pastor, he retired after almost 50 years of ministry and had some surgeries that had a bad outcome, left him with severe balance issues. His voice was affected. and if he were to look at his life and say, you know, well, what did I really enjoy? Well, he really enjoyed preaching and he does not have the physical ability to preach the way that he preached boldly and firmly all of his life. So it's finding other means of using that passion, as you've just described, where you're accomplishing, you may be even accomplishing more with those uh, moments with these medical students. And I think about my husband, God has given him an opportunity. He's not in the pulpit preaching, but he's preaching through many of the resources that we produce through Mark Inc. What would you say to a person who is listening and says, that's nice for you guys, but I just don't have the opportunities. I don't have the open doors. I don't have the platform for um, changing gears like that. How would you help them find a place of purpose and service? I'd first start by just spending concerted time praying that the God would lead and uh, asking him for specific guidance as to what you can do. Secondly, I'd probably sit down with uh, uh, another person, perhaps a pastor, ask what their advice would be. Just sit down with other friends. You know, retirement is the time to build really deeper friendship. I mean, I, I find that most working people, uh, quote unquote, friends are people that they plan projects together with. They don't just sit down and enjoy each other. And once you've developed that group of people that you can just sit down and enjoy each other, then you can start talking and get open up your life and say, look, look. Folks, I need your suggestions and help. I'm really bored. I need things of meaning to do. And I'll give you some suggestions. How important 
is it for the church to recognize the value of people like us who are in that season of retirement, but having a hard time finding a place to serve in a meaningful way? Yeah, that can be a challenge. A couple of things come to mind. Number one is don't confine yourself too much to your own age group. I I think there's a real place for, quote, seniors groups in the church, and that's important, but we need contacts outside of that. And Mm -hmm. we, we need to have younger people in our lives. We need to have some kids around us, and uh, they often provide ways of service, like like we do with our grandchildren around us. They're 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 very close. I have an eight year old grandson who is just so curious about everything, just loves to sit and sit and talk. Last night, he kind of we're, we're now in in March, and he kind of bowled me over and he said, "Grandpa, what is Lent about?" Can, can I be fasting? That was not a standard eight-year-old question. And a five-year-old granddaughter is just so full of energy. And then we are blessed with two eight-month-old uh, with twins who are just just a joy to be with. And uh, any extra time we have, we just love to have them around. What an exciting time of life. Truly, with the opportunity with your grandchildren to be so close and to have that relationship with them. And I do think um, about those who are in this season of life who maybe haven't even considered the opportunities to have really an inter- eternal impact on the next generation and the next generation. Can you speak to what the Bible says about the opportunities we have as older people? retired or not, in influencing the next generation. Yeah, you know, the Bible says a a lot. It's about that. If you look up the term grandchildren in a concordance, you're not going to find much. But if you look up the term the next generation or children's children, there's an awful lot that Scripture says. And that's, that's a worthwhile study. Basically, we have the privilege of building relationships in several different ways. One is we can just be friends and encouragers and supporters to our grandchildren, but we also have the opportunity, with their parents' permission, to be disciplers with our grandchildren and just spend a good time with them in in purposeful spiritual discipleship. What do you think about like a grandparent who says, well, my kids are doing a great job with their children spiritually. I don't really see what I could contribute to them. Well, I think uh, it always helps to hear something from two different mouths and reinforcing some of those basic principles is good. And I'm sure you, most people are doing it, but be praying for those grandchildren, you know, mm-hmm. several times a day, just by name bringing them to the Lord and asking him to be working in their lives. Well, I had the privilege of reading a pre-publication copy of your book, Retiring Well, and I highly endorse it. I I think it is, I mean, I think that my husband and I did a pretty good job of preparing for retirement, but if we had had your book, it would have been much better. There are things that, some of those challenges that might not have been as difficult 
one of the things that you recommend is before you are ready to retire, start thinking about it, obviously, but be very specific and intentional about it. For instance, even we've talked about it already is what am I going to do with my time? But this really is informed by our theology. So what do you think, what do you believe the Bible says about retirement? Does it say anything? I mean, I've heard, I've heard preachers say there's nothing in the Bible about retiring. I'm never going to retire. So those who are retiring, are we doing something ungodly or does the Bible have something different to say about retirement? No, I certainly don't think it's ungodly. Scripture does talk about retirement in terms of priests. Uh, in the book of Numbers, it says that priests should work until they're 50 doing you know, the hard priestly work of lifting up sacrifices onto the altar and some of the other things that priests were doing. But after 50, they were uh, excused from the heavy work, and they worked as guards at the tabernacle. That's just a a little insight. But I I, I think we need to keep the the long-term in view, the long-term meaning Yes, at 65, I might retire, though actually I didn't retire until I was 72, but we probably could keep up that pace for a while. But if the Lord gives us another 20 years, we're not going to be able to keep up that till we're 92. We need to think about what we could do that is long-term sustainable. And we also, so many people in their working lives. I mean, I just heard this all the time in my practice of geriatrics. People would come in and say, Doc, my life is just out of balance. You know, they're working so hard and giving so much of their time and energy to the job, they can't do the other things they really want to be doing. And one of the things they, they really regret is, you know, they get up every morning and spend, you know, five, 10 minutes reading a chapter of scripture, quick prayer, and then off they go, and they don't really think much about the Lord for the rest of their life. So mm-hmm. retirement is the time to recapture some of that spiritual passion, to re- renew your love for the Lord, and spend time, decent time, in his word and in prayer, and then be able to continue those practices. And, you know, the, the people who just immediately jump into another Busy, busy life uh, just cannot regain that balance that they want. You talk about digging deeper into our relationship with the Lord. What does that look like for you and for your wife? Has it changed any since retirement? What are some specific things that you do? Because I imagine there might be someone listening who says, I wish I could do that. I have no idea where to start. You know, I go to church every Sunday, but as far as a personal what you're talking about, I have no idea where I, I would begin. How would you advise that person? You know, when I was 30, I I decided I really wanted to think the way God thought, that I would commit myself to a careful study of Scripture. So I, I kind of programmed one night a week to take two and a half hours to be in the Scriptures. And my goal was to spend the next 35 years studying the scriptures. And so I, I finished when I was 65. And then I started all over, all over again, because I'd forgotten everything that I'd learned in my first round. And uh, that has been so rich. And now I'm able to spend about an hour a day 
and uh, just going through the scripture pretty carefully, verse by verse, uh, along with my study of a book, reading a commentary, and just totally enjoying the scriptures. And now I'm about uh, uh, two-thirds of the way through my second round. When you say your second round, are you talking about that you start at the very beginning of the Bible? I bounce around between the Old and the New Testament. And would you say that in those 35 years that you, it sounds like you probably were able to touch on maybe every page of scripture through your uh, intentional study time. Some of it's probably brand new again, now that you are, you started over again, so to speak. These little 74-year-old brains don't hold on to things too long. No, they don't. I'm 74 and boy, oh boy, (laughs) I struggle with that so much. I have a a friend who works with me with Mark Inc. And I said, I said, you, you absolutely are the other half of my brain because the details just won't stick. But it is a glorious thing to feel as though you've just, you have an aha moment in the word. Uh, for me personally, what I've, it's through the hard places where I've learned, even when God's word feels like dry toast going down, when our 16 year old son, Mark and his friend Kelly were in a fatal car accident, I was 45 years old and I taught Bible study all my life and a women's Bible study for 25 years. And, but I have to admit, I felt as though what I had taught them maybe wasn't true, that God could bring beauty from ashes and build broken bridges. And because the grief was so enormous and and for anyone who is listening, I think in this season of life, by now you have experienced pain and sorrow and, and maybe your retirement was supposed to be wonderful and your spouse died. You never got to go on those trips that you wanted to go on. But I want to echo what John is saying about his word, about the word, even when it doesn't seem to click, keep going back. And that's what I learned to do in the mornings. I would, I would write in my journal, all my feelings. I wouldn't hold anything back because I knew that God could take it. He invites our questions and I knew it was lamenting and then read his word, a Psalm, a proverb. I used to read uh, my utmost for his highest and streams in the desert. And friends, the Lord just uses those resources to touch our hearts in amazing ways. And so retirement, we could have all of our plans laid and then something profound or dramatic just turns them upside down. And I know that happened for my husband and me with medical issues, but God is unchanging and his promises never fail. And he is there. He never leaves us. And he speaks through the living word. And so I encourage you to focus on that and listen to what what John is saying. John, could you imagine one of your patients coming to you and they're retired and they're they they're disappointed in where they are. I mean, physically we've talked about that, that there are transitions that are painful and but their heart is bitter and their heart is grumpy and they don't understand why nobody wants to be around them why their kids aren't you know happy to spend time with them and but you're meeting with them and you're thinking well their kids aren't doing the right thing but I can kind of see where there are some things that need to be addressed how would you help that person have a, a change of heart you know first listen carefully understand their hurt, make sure they know that you have heard them carefully before you just spout off something and encourage them to get get involved in other things. 
to to really, if they're believers, restructure their time with the Lord, then build new relationships, new friendships. So often that when we leave our job, we leave our friends, and uh, they need to find that encouragement. And if it's the kid's problem and they feel they're being ignored by their kids, just start talking about asking them, okay, how can we help you? Our job as grandparents and parents is to help you, not for you to help us. That's beautiful. And I'm sure that that would be a hard thing for some people to hear because it's a whole different um, mindset, a different worldview. As we're wrapping up, John, would you share one or two of your favorite scriptures, maybe a go-to verse or something that is just even in this season of life has become particularly dear to you? You know, before I do that, let me go back five minutes ago. The the frustration of not being able to take away from our time of the word what we want was what a good friend told me a couple of years ago. She was commenting that she would read a passage of scripture and not even remember what it talked about. And she said, I just feel like an empty sieve. Water goes in one end and it comes right out the other. And then she smiled and quipped, but I've never seen a dirty sieve. The scriptures do have their cleansing ability over our lives. In terms of uh, uh, the verses that come to my mind, the end of Ephesians, I can't remember the verse, but it's, I think it's in uh, chapter six. It talks about serving the Lord and not men. Mm. That if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we're serving him. And then Hebrews 12, one and two, talks about our life as being the, the race. And mm. uh, I, I love the image. It says, with a cloud of witnesses uh, watching us. And I picture running in the stadium with the, all the saints of the past sitting in the stands, looking at us, cheering us on, saying, go on, John, run hard. Mm. Uh, the end is in sight. And then looking up and seeing the finish line and Jesus is there, and mm-hmm. he's there to welcome us home, just to, to maintain that image of running to Jesus with his arms open wide to welcome us home. John, thank you so much. You have moved me to tears as I imagine that picture myself uh, for my own life and for those that I love, and it is a wonderful picture of our hope and confidence in the Lord. I'm Sharon Betters, and I have been talking with Dr. John Dunlop, especially about his book, Retiring Well, Strategies for Finding Balance, Setting Priorities, and Glorifying God. And I'm hoping that our conversation is like salty peanuts, that you're going to want to hear more from Dr. Dunlop and that you'll get his book, Retiring Well. I'm going to have a link to it in our show notes at markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. Again, I'm Sharon Betters, and this is the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Uh, Go to markinc.org where you're going to find lots and lots of free resources, stories like this that are designed to help turn your heart toward Jesus, to offer the help and the hope of the gospel. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss one. I know that you're going to be glad you did. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. 
be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org, to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.